You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Uh, if you're just joining us, what we've been going through for some time now is a sermon series titled From the Beginning. And what it is is uh, we're going through the letters of the Apostle John to the churches. Um, so we're going to be looking at that in a moment. But before I read from God's Word, I actually have a commercial that I need to show you. It's this new thing where before we preach, we show an advertisement. It creates revenue for the church. and um, <laughs> That's not what's happening, but you wouldn't be surprised. It seems like you can't do anything nowadays. You can't even get out of bed before someone has to show you an advertisement, and then you're like allowed to do what you want to do. But I am actually going to show you a commercial. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Um, we'll watch this, and then I'll explain after. Friends, we know what it is to be Canadian, don't we? It's tree sauce, a game of skatey punchy, and this noble antler cow. How'd I become such a good Canadian? I stole a Canadian identity. Now I'm Kyle from Manitoba. And since most Canadians don't ever check their credit, I'm going to represent the red, white, and leaf for a long time. Your identity matters. Monitor your credit for free with Credit Karma. Credit Karma. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm not actually advertising Credit Karma. I've never used their services, so I can't really vouch for it. But then again, I've never checked my credit, so maybe I should. Most Canadians never do, apparently. Uh, That commercial will make more and more sense as I read our scripture and, and discuss our topic for today. But what I'm going to be sharing about is the, the idea of spiritual discernment or the topic of discernment for Christians. And so let's just leave that, the commercial, but we'll come back to it in a little while. What I will invite you to do, if you have your Bibles with you or, or, or brought your Bible or Bible apps, you can open up the book of 1 John. It's uh, near the end of the First Testament, of the first testament of the new testament first john is in the new testament it's near the end of the new testament uh we've made it as far as the middle of chapter two so i'm going to be picking up from where we left off two weeks ago chapter two uh, verse 18 through to the end of that second chapter of first john where john writes this he says children It is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not all, that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is in the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses that the Son has the Father, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise 
that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence, we may not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, then you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. I'm just going to pray for a moment. Lord, as we've heard these words, my prayer is that they would uh, sink into our hearts and, Lord, that your spirit would teach and change us where you would, your will would be so. God, would you have your way in us as individuals and, and in this church today. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Like I said, what we'll be talking about today is, is discernment. So what does discernment mean? Well, in plain English, or in a simple form, we can say that discernment is just uh, thinking carefully about a decision that we have to make, right? So um, the, the joke about that commercial or the irony is that if, if we don't have discernment, we actually believe that that guy is from Manitoba and that his name is Kyle and that he's Canadian and all that stuff, Right? But if we're able to discern even just a tiny bit, we know that he's lying. He's not telling the truth. So we have to use discernment when people are, are speaking to us or trying to convince us of things. But we also have to use discernment, you know, in, in everyday circumstances with, with, with all kinds of choices that we make. For example, uh, if you are on the Internet, social media, and so on, you have to have discernment in order to have any semblance of truth based on different types of articles, news headlines, and opinion pieces that uh, you may see or that people might be sharing, right? They used to say, well, you can't believe everything you read. But I feel like nowadays I actually can't believe anything I read. Like it's, it's gotten to that point where I, I'm constantly trying to discern and say, well, well, where did this even come from, you know? And you have to consider things carefully if you're going to know what's true and what's not out there for sure um, you also have to discern when uh, when someone's giving you advice right like if, if you if you've made a friend somewhere and and suddenly they're they're speaking to you and they're trying to convince you that they have this this plan where all that you have to do is uh, provide them with uh, X amount of dollars and the next thing you know down the, you know you're going to be making all this money and all this so I hope that if someone was pre- presenting you with some kind of sketchy financial plan that you would very carefully discern or maybe get a second opinion on what that so-called friend is trying to get from you in order to make the, the appropriate decision. So these are kind of everyday practical discernment uh, areas where we need discernment. But what John's identifying uh, for the church is a very specific and extremely important kind of discernment and and like we said, it's, and like we read, it's a spiritual issue that he's reminding us of. But before we get to the particular things that he has to say in the verses that we read, that I'll be rereading and teaching from, uh, I want to point out and, and dwell on the, in verse 18, near the beginning, he, he says that the 
It is the last hour. That's how he starts out this, this teaching on discernment. He says it's the last hour, meaning what I'm about to say is, is, is urgent, right? This is important. But it can be confusing for us as we read um, someone like John say, well, it's the last hour because if that was the last hour, then we wouldn't actually, you know, logically speaking, we couldn't be here almost 2,000 years later reading him his letter now saying, well, it's the last hour. That doesn't really make sense to us. If it was the last hour, then how could it, like, what's the deal with that? I want to suggest that John is not necessarily making a chronological statement about how he believes that it's the last hour on the clock or on the calendar, but rather he's making a theological statement about the state of ourselves and God and what has happened and what is to come. So, before Jesus, creation was longing and waiting to be made right with their, with their God again. And God's people longed and sought and prophesied and prayed and cried out to God to send their Savior. And then Jesus came. And so Jesus has come and he lived uh, among us. He ministered. He taught. And more than that, he, he was crucified on the cross and he went to the grave. After three days, he rose again. And so all of history up until this point has been leading to Jesus and the work that he did for us. And then, as in Jesus' words, it was finished. He accomplished what he came to do, right? The door was open for man to be right with God again through Jesus. And so for John to say, it's the last hour, he's talking in, in, in theological terms, not not so much chronologically. He's saying, all the, all the, it's all happened and what we're waiting for now Simply, is Jesus to come back, right? For Jesus to return, for the second coming, for his kingdom to come as he's promised, for creation to be made right again. So this is how we can hear John in an ancient text say, well, it's the last hour, and say, yes, it was the last hour, and it indeed still is the last hour as we're reading this this morning. And so his words are just as true for us at the gate as they were for uh, his, his church that he was writing to uh, just 100 years after Jesus' death. So there's an urgency to what he's saying. It's the last hour. Time is almost up as we know it. And how do we know this? Well, he says that antichrists have appeared, those who would officially oppose and subvert and try and destroy the message and truth of of what jesus has done they're they're amongst us or they've gone out from us and they're here and this is part of a sign of how we can know that we're in the last hour now before we get too upset imagining um hollywood versions of the antichrist or whatever caricatures there and let's let's carefully read who john is describing so that we have a good handle on on who we're being warned against and what he's talking about. Uh, He refers to them in verse 19 and uh, 22. And Cheryl, if you have the, just the larger chunk of passage, feel free to maybe go back to it and leave it on the screen. Cause I'm going to be kind of jumping around in the passage a little bit because John kind of goes like this as he talks. So it's, I'll be going from verse to verse, then back up and then back down. But, Anyways, in verse 19 and, and 22, part of 22, John says, he's describing the Antichrist. He says, they went out from us, so they left the church, but they were not of us. 
So it's not so much they went out from us like we sent them with a blessing to go and minister. No, it was they kicked themselves out, so to speak. They were excommunicated from the church because they were not of us. And he says if they had been, then they would have continued with us. But they went out that it may become plain that they are not of us. And then later in 22, part of 22, he says it clearly. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. So this call to discern, we have to understand, is not, is not John saying, well, you know, just discern against people who you disagree with or who don't hold the same views or opinions as you. It's actually deeper than that. What he says specifically is that those who are the Antichrist would be trying to deceive. They're trying to deceive. So it's not just uh, someone who you disagree with, but it's actually someone who is intentionally trying to take you away from what you believe into some other thing other than the truth of Jesus. So it's like that silly commercial that we saw at the start. Um, that guy wasn't just, uh, you know, trying to get away with, with his, his thievery and secret and, and run off. No, he, was, he had an agenda with, with his words, right? There was, there was something he was trying to convince us of, uh, that he was Kyle and that he is from Manitoba and that he is Canadian. But, and what's the problem with him saying that? It's a lie. It's, he's, he's, he's lying to us in order to get away with stealing poor, innocent Canadian Kyle's money, right? He's, he's trying to get away with that and, and basically ruin poor Kyle's life. I hope Kyle's okay. I hope he saw the commercial and checked his credit. <laughs> Skatey punchy. <laughs> Skatey punchy. Uh... As Christians, we desperately need to discern truth from lie when, when someone is coming to us with a message, uh, when, when they claim to have the authority to tell us about God, Jesus, the Bible, and, and all that that encapsulates. And if we aren't people who are able to think carefully while we make these decisions, I'm afraid that we will indeed be prone to fall for lies uh, or, or to to get trapped, you know, by our enemy as, as we live this life. Jesus teaches about this in Mark chapter 13. He gives us a scenario. He says, if someone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, pointing to anyone other than himself, he says, don't believe it. There's going to be false Christs and false prophets who appear they will offer signs and wonders in order to deceive, if possible, those whom God has chosen. But you, watch out. I've told you everything ahead of time. This warning comes from Jesus, and this is what John is picking up on in his letter to the church. It's a reminder of, of what Jesus has taught. So how are we to carefully discern? How are we to make our decisions carefully in order to stick with what we know and what we've been given in Jesus. John tells us in the verses we read, and Jesus actually said it as well in that last verse of Mark 13, 
23, I believe it is. He said, Jesus says, be on guard and understand and, and accept that Jesus has told us everything ahead of time. Jesus has told us what we need to know. Jesus has shown us what is right. And so John reminds his readers of this. He says that you all have knowledge. You all have knowledge. I write to you not because you don't know the truth. He's not explaining it for the first time, but he's reminding them that they do have knowledge. They know what they need to know. And so this is a reminder for the church to stick with what they know. And this is my reminder for us this morning as well that we're given in God's word. Paul explains it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, these are metaphors, then each one's work will become obvious for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. And so we need to discern when, when anyone would come to you know, build upon that foundation and understand that the, the things that are untrue or that are not, are not built on the foundation properly will indeed be taken away and done away with by God himself. So who should discern? We should. Christians should. I need to discern and you need to discern as followers of Jesus. And when should we do this? When can we discern? Honestly, I, I think that we should always have this in mind, this, this awareness of uh, comparing and contrasting what anyone would say to what we know to be true from Scripture. But especially, like I said, when someone is speaking to you with authority, uh, teaching you, you know, explaining things of God and Jesus and Scripture. And, and this is good to do all, at all times, regardless of how well you, you know the speaker or teacher, if they, you know, maybe they're your favorite, um, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's always good to discern, because if you think of it this way, if we're discerning while someone, um, as it turns out, is telling us the truth, then that's no harm done, right? We've... Uh, we're both better off for hearing what they've taught us, and, and off we go, and we can grow in that. On the other hand, if we're discerning and they are trying to deceive us, and, and we're aware of that right from the get-go, then we're able to, to understand and, and let go of and say no to the lies that they would be trying to deceive us with. So let's think a little bit more about when we need to discern. I'll give you an example. If... If I got up here today and I said, hi, I'm the pastor of the gate and I have a message to, to share with you. And my message is so important that uh, you just, you've got to hear what I have to say. And in fact, if you don't you know, put into the practice the things that I'm prescribing for you, you'll actually fail as a Christian and you can just forget about all the blessings that God has stored up for you and so on and so forth. If that was my tone and my message on any Sunday morning, I, I would hope and pray that you would be discerning what I'm telling you. And, and you would be able to understand that I actually 
have my own agenda with this, you know, with this Sunday morning time of, of sharing my message and that it's probably not actually going to point you to Jesus and the gospel that you know, but that I'm trying to drum something else up for myself. And I, I make this up because it's all too common, right? It's subtle, but it's, it's extremely common to hear someone promise you, you know, great things that you have to hear just from them. You know, like a special kind of knowledge. And this is why I, I love that John says, you all have knowledge. You have knowledge. You don't need someone to, to retell this or reinvent or add anything to the foundation of Christ because you already have it. So it's a reminder to stay and, and to abide, he says, to abide in what we know, the truth of Jesus. On a side note, there's obviously nothing wrong with, um, with learning more. There's nothing wrong with reading you know, a Christian author or someone who's explaining something. There's nothing wrong with listening to sermons or going to Bible college or anything like that. That's not what John's saying when he says you don't need someone to teach you. What he's saying is you don't, it's not required that you receive a certain kind of teacher or teaching other than what he's taught them because he knows that they know the gospel, right? They've heard it. They don't require anything other than Jesus to be saved. So we're, we're blessed. What we're able to do, there's two things that John uh, lays out for us as ways to discern, um, and they're very... You know, they're quite general. They're tools that we can have as we're going through life and we're faced with questions or different kinds of ideas or whatever it may be. There's two things that John provides for us. And the first one is, is kind of the objective way, and the second one is the more subjective way. So the first is to compare any word to what we know and believe and have heard in the Gospels of Jesus. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's, it's actually really simple to discern. It's not that hard because we have, we have the Bible, we have the Word, and we're able to read it and, and understand it and, and learn about it and share it amongst ourselves. And so when anytime anyone that anyone's, anytime that anyone is telling you about Jesus and God and their ideas, therein, it's actually quite easy to know whether or not this person is intentionally deceiving us to lead us away, or if they themselves are abiding in the truth that we share with them. We can open the word, and and yes, it, it does require that we know the word. For some of us, that's challenging because we're not disciplined in reading and knowing what's there, but, um, but other than that, it's not actually that complicated In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul teaches us that the result of doing this, or he explains the result, he says, as a result, we are no longer to be children, spiritually speaking, tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. 
But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So this process of discernment is important. It's, it's actually part of our spiritual growth and maturity as Christians, right? It's, it's not an optional thing, but it's, it's what we do as we move forward and grow upward into who God has called us to be. So this is what John is encouraging us to do, to not be tossed around and easily fooled. So we have, we have God's word and, and we're able to read and understand it and know Jesus there as our, as our uh, objective means of discerning and comparing what someone might say to know whether or not it's true. And as well, like I said, John provides a second avenue by which we will also discern as Christians. And this is what he calls the anointing. So what's this anointing thing all about? He says it in verse 20 and in verse 27 and elsewhere too. In this context, anointing is John's way of saying that you have God's spirit which resides in you as a believer. So Christians have received the gift of God's indwelt presence. Paul describes this in, in Corinthians by saying, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit and our hearts as a guarantee. So God has anointed us. He's given us the gift of his presence. And and it's not so much that God's just handed it to us and then, no, we've actually been uh, marked and sealed with his spirit. We have assurance. It's a promise. It's our guarantee This is wonderful, but what does it have to do with discernment? Well, what it means is that we are not alone in pursuing and following the truth of Jesus because we have God's Spirit to counsel and guide us as we seek Him in all things. In fact, one of the names of God's Spirit in Scripture is the Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth. That's actually uh, what... John, in his gospel, calls the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. God's spirit is truth. If we're anointed and have received his spirit in believing, then the truth of God dwells within us as believers. This is awesome. What it means for us is that God dwells in us as we continue to be guided by him. He will guide us and speak to us his truth into the situations that we're faced with. And I love this because, like I said, we're not simply left with um, the scriptures as, as just a scientific chart by which to compare everything to. We have the author of the scriptures as well to guide and remind us and speak those truths to us, even when maybe perhaps we're not able to, you know, read and study in a given moment. He's there to tell us the truth. God's spirit is the spirit of truth, and he's anointed us with that. As I thought about discernment and, and you know, the, John talking about the Antichrist and the lies and, and deceiving of believers and stuff, I found it ironic that so many of the false teachers and prophets, who John would call Antichrists, 
that they attempt to mislead Christians by actually using the name of the Holy Spirit. And you can see why they do it, because it's easy for someone to say, oh, well, uh, God has told me this. The Holy Spirit has spoken this, this new word to me, and, and, and I have the anointing, and so you need to hear. Like, and it's back to that thing where suddenly we need the special word from this kind of teacher in order to even be Christian in the first place. No. That's a lie. But it's, it's ironic that they would take God's name in vain and, and then twist the truth to try and mislead us into something that's not about Jesus, not based on what we read in Jesus' teachings or anywhere else for that matter. It's weird, but it's, uh, but it's all too common that someone would do this. So we have to be careful to discern. But going back to his spirit, God's spirit is truth, Right? In Second Timothy, it says that God cannot deny himself. If God himself is truth, and then someone is speaking for God and not telling the truth, that's totally not, that's not happening. That's, that's what John's concerned with, and that we, we should also be concerned with avoiding and not participating in. So we have God's word as, as sort of the first thing that John, John tells us to remember as we discern to be to uh, that we have the knowledge and to remain in that knowledge and not be misled in, in thinking we have to go seek something else out. And we also have the spirit who has written the truth on our hearts and who will continue to guide us as we're faced with all kinds of decisions to to carefully make in this life of following Jesus. So as I talk about this this morning, you may be familiar with discernment. Some of us are even gifted in this area, right? It's, it's very natural or easy, perhaps, for you to discern and to know when something is of God or when it's not. And if that's you, this is a gift, a, a blessing for you as, as a Christian, but also for your church. On the other hand, uh, you may be the sort of per- the sort of person who feels more like the child who's tossed around by the waves and and all kinds of doctrines, and it's just hard for you to know what's what because maybe you are brand new in your faith, or or you've just always struggled to discern when something is is truth versus a lie because it can be difficult and challenging, right? The, our enemy wants to deceive us, and he, he can be very crafty in doing so. And if that's you and and you struggle with this, then I implore you to dig in and to practice the things that we've been talking about today, to take John's teaching seriously and to understand that even though this may not be natural for you or you have a hard time doing this, that it is something for all Christians to embrace and do and take seriously. And be encouraged, because as you do this, you are not alone. First of all, as a Christian, you're not alone in, in discerning because you have, as we said, or as John said, the anointing. You have Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit. You're marked with God's presence to be able to know what's true and what's not and where to set, set your foundation on. It's in Jesus. But you're also not alone um, here and now because... As I said, some of us in church, in any church, there's going to be people who are really gifted to know 
uh, they know God's word really well, right? They, they're, they're wise and maybe further along in their uh, spiritual walk. And so they are able to discern and know truth from lies quite simply. And so I encourage you, uh, all of us actually, wherever you're at, to not think that it's, uh, this is something which we are to practice and do alone. I think there's a lie that we've believed that uh, individualism is more spiritual. That's not true. We're called biblically to to live this faith in community as the church, as the body. If you were here last week with uh, Josh speaking, that's what he was encouraging us into is the, you know, the various parts of the body and, and how we complement each other for the glory of Christ. And so and on this topic of discernment, I encourage you to not be, uh, to not be scared to ask questions, to come to myself or Pastor Greg, to one of our elders or to any uh, Christian you know, to, to ask a question or, or to bring something up and, and say, well, what does the Bible say about this? What have you read about this? Um, you know, I, some, someone was telling me this about, about that, and I'm not really sure what to believe about that. How, how, how do you suggest I navigate this? And we can build each other up and encourage one another in this together as we discern to, and strive to follow Jesus as a church. And before concluding, I want to go back to what John was saying about abiding in this, to remain in this, because this this thing called discernment is something which we are going to uh, actually continually be doing, right? So um, it's I think we're tempted to think that well, as long as I've you know read everything in the Bible and just know it really well, then I'm good to go, and I can just kind of keep my head down. I think, what, what does John say? He says, we have to let what we've heard abide in us. Let what you've heard abide in you. So that suggests that it's something that we are continuously doing. We let it happen. Otherwise, if we're, if we're lazy or undisciplined or don't care to discern at all, then it's simply, it's not going to happen automatically, right? It's a process. So the verse that I've been basically talking about the whole time, but I've saved till the end, is this one from 1 Thessalonians 5.21. It's the uh, often referred to passage about discernment, where it says that we test everything and we hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So we can see that this this thing about discernment is actually a, a good thing to do. I think it's easy to get ahead of ourselves and actually start to worry and think, oh, no, like to feel afraid, right? There's people out there trying to deceive me. What if I make a mistake and start heading down the wrong path? And, and yeah, we do take this seriously, but, but with, with the tools that we've been given, with Jesus before us, uh, it's good to test everything because we are able to, what does it say, hold on to what is good? And actually let go of what's evil, to abstain from it, to do away with the things that aren't good. And so I, I believe that as we press into the word and, and find what's true through discernment, that we'll actually, this will be a joyful process for us and, and not so much a, 
a burden that we feel stressed out by. It's something that we practice and do continuously. We keep it simple and God is there with us to bless us as we do it. We test all things. We hold fast to what is good. We let go of what is bad. We're holding on to Jesus. We abide in the goodness of of knowing him and the salvation that we have and the blessing of his presence and his spirit with us. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, these are Jesus' words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. You see how it always has to be about Jesus. That's why John says if someone denies the Son, they've denied the Father. You can't know the Father without the Son. Jesus is the image of the Father for us to see. So if you come here today and you want to know God, then Jesus is the answer for you. So I encourage you this morning to come to Jesus with thanksgiving, with humility and repentance to abide in what he's given you, to come back to the gospel truth of who Jesus is, of God's love for us, the salvation which we have through the cross where where Jesus took the sin of humanity upon himself in order to forgive us from the Father and make us right with him forevermore.